Will you turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of John, John's Gospel, chapter 20. We'll crown him Lord of all. You know, he's, he's already crowned. What that's talking about is there was a day when we didn't crown him with anything. But oh, in the day of his love, when he came to each and every one of his children and shined the truth of who he was in our hearts. We crowned him as king of all because he is king of all. We crowned him as king of all because he is gracious to his people. I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful to. Oh, the grace and the mercy our Lord has for his people. Oh, how quick one can get a reputation in this world. Know what I mean? <laughs> Class clowns. All kinds of different reputations, huh? Sometimes people get a reputation for something that they didn't even know they did anything. They weren't even doing anything on purpose. It was just the way they walked through this life. Let me give you a biblical example of one who can get a reputation. When you hear the name David, a couple of things come to mind right off the bat. Would you not say, would you not say maybe David and Goliath? David who went up against the giant? David whose faith was in his God above faith in men? Or, or you might think of David the psalmist. He's got quite a reputation for being quite the psalmist. He was, he was a musician. David Edmondson and King David both had something a little bit in common there, didn't they? They, they both wrote songs. I don't think David Edmondson wrote biblical hymns, but he did write songs. David has a reputation, doesn't he? There are just some things that stand out about some people that make you think of them whenever you hear their name. Here in John chapter 20, we have such a name. Christ the Lord had been crucified, and he had been laid in the tomb. In verses 1 through 17 of John chapter 20, we see that Mary Magdalene had gone down to the tomb early in the morning. It was still yet dark. And then when she had, when she had come, she had saw that the stone was rolled away. So... She comes down early in the morning. The stone had been rolled away. And she's like, what's going on? And so she runs back, as we see in, in verse 2. She runs and she comes to Simon Peter. And she tells him and the other disciples what happened. And then they go down. And they run down together. And the other disciples they, that outrun Peter, they, they got to the sepulcher first. And they stooped down and they looked in verse 5. They saw the linen clothes. They saw that Christ wasn't there. They said, oh. Now, folks, everybody saw the Lord die on the cross that day before. Did his disciples leave him? Yes, they did. They all got up and left him to himself. But they were still there. They were still hovering around the outside of the group watching what was going on. They all witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ bleeding. They all witnessed the nails in his hands, 
and feet. They all witnessed the sword that pierced his side. They all witnessed the conversation that he had with the thief. All of his disciples were there that day. They saw what was going on. Over in verse 10, we see Mary stood without sepulcher weeping, and she wept and stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and two angels in white, in white sitting there, the one in the head and the other at the feet. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said, Because to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And he goes on, and we see other parts here of this story of the Lord, how he, uh, how they came to the tomb after him. And then we get to verse 17, and Jesus, or let's look, actually, let me look at it. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, and she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master? And he saith unto her, Touch me not. She just now, she now sees the Lord. Yeah, you know, I skipped too far. I actually should have gone to 15. Let's start there. I'm going to go back and start at 15. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the gardener. She didn't know who quite, quite who Jesus, this, uh, this one standing before her was yet. Unto him, sir, if they have borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Then... Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turns and looks. The Lord tells her not to touch him. And where I want to begin reading verse by verse, he says, he says, Touch me not, I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Now, I want to begin reading verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that she had spoken these things, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them, saying, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said, so said, he showed unto them his hands in his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They were, wow! Those things you told us were true. All those times you expressed to us and told us that you were going to go up to Jerusalem and that the, the Pharisees and the chief priests were going to harm to you and, and kill you. Those, those things were true. And you said every single time and on the third day you would rise again. Those things were true. We saw them with our own eyes, they said. They saw them with their own eyes. Ten disciples saw the risen Christ. Judas had already taken his own life, and one of them was not present. He was not present at this appearance. His name is Thomas. I began this message with reputation. When you think of Thomas, What's the first thing you think of? Doubting Thomas? That's what I think of. That's all I've ever thought of him. 
That's all that's ever crossed my mind is about how Thomas doubted the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not there at this time. Read down through 24. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, so here we are, here's the proof that what I've just said a moment ago, ten of his disciples saw him the first time. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Ten disciples saw their Lord Jesus rise, risen, risen Christ right there before them. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, when you think of him, we almost feel sorry for him a little bit, don't you? Don't you like, oh, Thomas, you know, in a loving, sorrowful way. Oh, it's, it, I just, I wish he could have the, the faith, the, the, the ability to have faith as, as I have. You ever thought that? If he could just have this faith that I have in believing God. It's that reputation that he received from these words. If you said his name, that's the first thing that would come to mind. Would it not be that doubting? But in truth, I'm going to tell you this morning, there is much more to this story of Thomas. And then we read verses 24 through 25. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Here they go. They come to Thomas now. Thomas is off somewhere else to, on the first one. Oh, okay, so now they go to him and they tell him, Hey, we saw. We saw the Lord with our own eyes. We saw the holes in his hands. And they came to him. Was, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, said unto them, back in verse 25, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side I will not believe I said that slowly because I want you to grab a hold of what Thomas just said take a grab a grasp that tight he says I will not believe my title for this morning's message is I Will Not Believe. If you think, if John Reeves thinks for one second that that could not be me, five minutes after I walk out of this building, one minute after I walk out of this building, before I even finish the message, then we are in deep trouble. If you think this could not be a story about you, you think more of yourself than you should. You see, every person, every person hearing these words right now has that potential to do and say exactly what Thomas just said. Not me. Oh no, God's given me a strong faith. I'm, we talked about this in Bible study. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to speak about who I know and who I love. I'm not ashamed to say to anybody in the world, well, you know, folks, Peter wasn't ashamed either. But oh, how fast he turned when the people 
started accusing the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter went to the point of saying, I don't have, I've never had anything to do with that guy. And the Lord even warned Peter that he would do this, didn't he? We'll look at that a little deeper in a moment. If you think that this is not a story about you, you think more of yourself than you should. We all have the potential to be a doubting Thomas at any time in this walk that we have through this world. The Apostle Paul declares this in Romans chapter 7. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I will not allow. Now this is Paul. This could be you and I. This will be you and I at one point or another in our lives. This will be us. In some way or another, we will all deny our Lord at some point as we walk in this world of flesh. For that, Paul says in verse 15, that which I do I allow not for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will it is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul is very clearly declaring himself as he states in verse 24, O wretched man that I am. Not that he was, but that he is right now. God's people never get over the fact of what we are in the flesh. We don't get any better, folks. You know when it gets better is when God takes us out of this world, takes us out of the sinful flesh, and takes us into heaven with Him. That's when it gets better. Until that day, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Then Paul says in verse 25 the same thing all God's people say. I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Paul was not a new convert at that point when he wrote those words. He had been around for a little while. God uses Paul as an example, as an example to you and I. He makes this declaration so we will not forget it. The flesh warreth with the spirit. As long as the Lord has us here in this world, the flesh will war with the spirit. And I want you to keep this in mind. There was a time when every one of us gave in to sin willfully. It bothered us not, as I brought out in last week's message. I'm not talking about a particular sin. I'm talking about what we are. You think to yourself, oh, I don't smoke, I don't rape, I don't kill. If you doubt God Almighty, that's a big enough sin right there to ward you in heaven. I mean, in hell. I'm talking about what we are. What our nature is. I'm talking about unbelief in God's Word. I'm talking about the pride of the Spirit. I'm talking about the weakness of the flesh turning from the truths of God to follow the lies of men. That was our nature. In Romans 8, 7, we read these words, The carnal mind is 
enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The new birth, to be born again, is the birth of a new spirit. The old flesh shall return to the dust, but the spirit liveth on. Thomas is a very important lesson for you and I, and as we go through this time on earth, a lesson to be aware of at all times. Don't forget it. Oh, I heard that message yesterday. That's okay, it's behind us. Keep this message in front of you at all times. Because the day's coming, not when you might, but when you will. When you will. Take heed. Mark your place here, if you would, in the 11th chapter of John. Or in the 21st chapter of John. Turn over to the 11th chapter, if you would. John chapter 11. Thomas was one of the twelve, was he not? He did not just come upon the scene, as we just read there, in, in uh, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord. He did not just come upon the scene. He had been one of the twelve who passed around the baskets of bread and fish and fed 5,000 people on the hill. That's over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. He was one of the twelve whom he gave, whom Christ had given them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manners of sickness and all manners of disease. That's in Matthew 10, verse 1. Thomas had seen with his own eyes the wonders of Christ's power over and over again. Let's not forget this. The miracles of Christ could fill more than any of the books that were written. The books of this world could not contain all the miracles of our Lord and Savior. Thomas was right there smack in the middle of it, watching it all, just as all the other disciples were. He was one of the twelve when the Lord instructed for a third time. A third time as we read in the book of Mark, saying, Behold, this is the Lord speaking to all twelve of the disciples. Behold, in Mark chapter 10, verse 33 through 34, Behold, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Christ had foretold them his disciples, that he would rise from the dead, and the deeds he committed proved that he had the power to do so. No other man had ever done the miracles Christ did. No other man had done all those, all those miracles. No other man had healed like the Lord Jesus did. No, man, no other man had given sight to a men and women and children who were blind from birth. No other man had said, be clean. And the disease was gone. No other man had said, Be whole. And the withered hand was whole. Thomas was right there with the disciples when our Lord committed all of these miracles. Christ had foretold them that he would rise from the dead and the deeds he committed, he proved that he had the power to do so. The Lord Jesus 
did things no man had ever done. He proved his deity before the eyes of thousands, yet most could not comprehend this truth. That Jesus is Christ, God Almighty in the flesh. Thomas was with Christ right here in chapter 11. He was there when the crowd came. A certain man was sick, it says. Look at verse Verse 1 where we see that now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. He was there when they came to the Lord and told him that this certain man, this one that he loved, was sick. He saw with his own eyes Jesus Christ is okay. Thank you. Alright. That's good. We'll hang out here for a couple of days. We'll just, we'll just stay here for a few days. Can you imagine what was going on through the minds of his disciples at that time? Wait a minute. Are we, is he, is he going to get up and go and save it? Is he going to do it? I can, that's what would have been going through my mind. The natural mind would be going, Lord, are you going to do it? Are you going to go? Look over at verse 11. After going... For the two days, and then after, let's start in verse 7. Then after, the, after that, he said to his disciples, let's go into Judea, Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered and said, Are not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now that's a different message. Maybe uh, the Lord will bless me in a message in that in the future. But we go on in verse 11. These things saith him, and after he had saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke, spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken, taken rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, see here? Then said Thomas. I told you there's more to the story of Thomas than just his doubting. There's a lot deeper story to this man who had been who had been with God, been with the Lord Jesus when he committed all those miracles, when the Lord had instructed them on all the wonderful things about what he was going to the cross for. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, "Let us also go, that we may die with him." Now, would Thomas have said that? without the understanding of what the death of this flesh means? Thomas was there when Christ fulfilled his word and raised Lazarus from the tomb. Look over at verse 39, if you would. John chapter 11, verse 39, And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. Thomas was there. He knew how long Lazarus had been in the grave. He knew that he had been dead and that his, his body had begun to corrupt. Yet Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, in verse 40, that if thou wouldest believe, 
thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou heardest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Lazarus saw this. I mean, uh, Thomas saw this. The very one who said, I will not believe. And that's a picture of you and I. That's a picture of us and what we are capable of in this flesh. He saw this very thing. Lazarus come from come forth from the grave, bound in his clothes, in his burial clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now I want you to turn over to John chapter 13. We spoke a moment ago about Peter and him denying the Lord three times. Over here in John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38, we see this declaration of that, and Thomas was there then. 30, uh, 36, I'm sorry, John chapter 13, verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither thou goest? And Jesus answered him and said, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said, Lord, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him and said, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied, denied me thrice. He was there when our Lord declared the way to eternal life. Look at verse chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled, he says. He's speaking to Peter after he tells him that he will not, or that he'll deny the Lord thrice, after telling him that, don't worry about it. Don't let your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Now remember, we're talking about Thomas. Thomas and his experience with Christ, his experience in seeing Christ, his experience in being where Christ is, having Christ speaking to him personally. Here it goes, and whither I go, ye know not the way. Thomas saith unto him, in verse 5, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And then our Lord tells him the way. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. And the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now I want to go back to our text in John chapter 20. Thomas is a picture of all of God's children. All of his elect. 
all of those for whom God the Father gave to God the Son before the stars ever twinkled in the sky. All of those for whom the Son laid down His life for at Calvary, who will someday stumble in our sin, not fall, but stumble. We cannot fall to our sin, folks. Christ took all of our sin upon Himself. But we can stumble at it. That's what, that's what Thomas did. He stumbled with the sin of the flesh. I will not believe. When he had every reason to believe the one who speaks all truth. Every reason to believe him. He saw it firsthand. Yet he stumbled. He stumbled with unbelief. Lord, help thou my unbelief. Isn't that what we read in Scripture? Thomas is a picture of every one of us. Every one of us for whom Christ died on the cross. We cannot fall from His grace, but we will stumble in sin, and our God will not leave us there, nor will He forsake us, He says. He will lead us back to Himself, and He does that by the preaching of His Word. How often in these last few months have I not repeated over and over again, why do we come together? Because we're in the world of sin around us. Not just in the sin that's in the world, but the sin that's in our own flesh. The weaknesses of the flesh that we deal with every day. We come to hear, to hear about our Savior who is gracious to us. Who loves us with an undying love. A never ending love. We come to hear about the one who has the power to save his people. Our God will not leave us nor forsake us. He will lead us unto Himself, and He does it by the preaching of His Word, the message of His sovereign grace, the good news, Christ came to save sinners, of which I am chief, says Paul. Look with me, if you would, at verse 26 and through 28 of John chapter 21. And after eight days again, His disciples were with Him. Now remember, His disciples had just come to Thomas, and He said, I will not believe. And after eight days... Now, Ian Potts, uh, you, may, you may have heard that name, Pastor Ian Potts. And I, and I asked, I share with you this, that you may want to pray for this dear man. He's over in England, and he's being, he's being pressured to leave the pulpit because of his stance on the sovereignty of God's grace. Because he will not bend to those who want to say Jesus loves everybody. Because he will not bend to those who want to say I came down and made a decision. To eat. Because he will not bend to those who want to mix grace with works. They're trying to run him off out of the church there in England. Now, I don't know if there's others men, but I know that, that that dear man is under a lot of pressure right now. Ian Potts is his name. He brought this out in his message that I was listening to on this subject. He goes, eight days. Eight days, plus the three in the grave, totals eleven, there's eleven disciples. Remember the twelfth one has already gone and taken his own life. There's eleven disciples. After eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Remember what I just said a moment ago? Our Lord will not leave us. 
Remember I told you just a moment ago, our Lord, our Lord comes to us. How does He come to us? He comes to us through the preaching of His Word. What is the preaching of His Word? The Gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You can't get any deeper in the pond than that. God's love for His people is perfect in every way. His blood being shed on that cross for us was perfect in every way. It accomplished exactly what it was there for. I need to hear that over and over again. That's the message I come to God's services to hear. That's the message I come to this pulpit to preach. Christ in Him crucified. He saith to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand. That's the gospel. Christ and Him crucified. Look at the hands that were pierced for your sake. Put your finger in there. And He tells each and every one of us, you and I, this very thing today, put your finger in my hands. I have saved my people. Not might. Not possibly, but I have saved my people. He comes to his loved ones in the gospel preaching of his message and he says, see here and believe. Put your hands here and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord, my God, Folks, that's the gospel right there. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes to one of His loved ones, one who has walked in darkness, not ever hearing the truth of God's Word, maybe they heard it with the ears, but they never had a heart to hear the truth of it. They were never born again. They were never given the new heart, the heart of flesh, the old one being cut away, that they would hear the truth of God's Word. When they come to Him, when He comes to them, they will cry out, My Lord, my God. I am not ashamed. He is worthy of all glory. Look at verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen, yet have believed. You see, this blessing wasn't just for Thomas and those who could see him in the, in the, in the flesh. This blessing is for you and I. This blessing is for all of God's children. All of those for whom he died for. This is a blessing that will be placed on every single one. Not one will be lost. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me. Now I want you to take notice, if you will, the implication of something being experienced. Thomas saw with his eyes, because you have seen me, because you have seen the truth of who I am, because you have seen that I and my Father are one, according to the word that I've expressed over and over to you in the past. 
Because you have seen that my going to the cross will wash my people clean, as I have expressed to you over and over again, as I have cleansed those who had leprosy, as I have healed those who are sick. You have seen with your own eyes. It's an implication of something experienced. Remember what we just read back in chapter 14? He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You have now seen with your eyes the truth, the grace of God in sending His Son as our substitute. In making His perfect and holy Son to be sin for us. Can you wrap your minds around that? I know some men say they can. I can't. That's too deep in the pond for me to understand. My God, perfect and holy in every way, was made my sin. Because you have seen your Redeemer, the one who redeems us to the Father by the precious blood that He shed upon that cross. Because you have seen your sanctification, your set apart, your holiness, your righteousness in Him. Because you have seen your justification, because you have seen Christ as all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And then he says next, because you have seen, thou hast believed. Our great and loving God speaks to you and I, folks. And he says this, blessed are they that have not seen. <laughs> oh, to be given the gift of faith to believe God in his word as though we see it with our own eyes. Turn over, if you would, to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. We won't be much longer. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, there were very few people compared to the number of people throughout it all of the time on this earth. There were very, very few who stood in the presence of God and saw with their own eyes. Abraham never saw Christ. He never saw the fulfillment of Christ with his own eyes, but he saw it by faith. God-given faith. The same faith you and I have. Abraham saw it as it would happen. You and I see it as it has happened. We see by the eye of faith we have been given sight where once we were blind to see the faith that by faith the truth of his word. Are you with me in Hebrews chapter 11? Let's begin at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders, and we're going to look at that list of elders here in just a moment, obtained a good report. They had received the faith. They had, they had for by the faith they had received, they had won a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are, do appear. By faith. By faith, Abel. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch, another who had not seen 
Christ with his own eyes was translated that he should not see death. Abraham, by faith, Noah, said verse 7, by faith, Noah, and being warned of God, of the things not seen yet, he, nobody had seen rain yet. They hadn't even seen rain yet. The Lord watered the earth through a dew, through a mist. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of the things not seen yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out to the place where he knew not, where he should after receive for inheritance, he obeyed. By faith Abraham also sojourned in the land of promise as a strange country. Through faith Sarah, his wife, also received strength to conceive seed, even though she was old. These all died, in verse 13, in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded, persuaded, convinced, trusting. They were persuaded to the point of trusting God's word is true. That's the same faith you and I have, isn't it? Is there any difference? We look back at what Christ said and He says, I have paid your sins in full. We believe it. Amen. We see by the eye of faith. By faith, in verse 17, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both of his sons. By faith, Joseph, when he, had, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. By faith, Moses, when he had come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. By faith, he forsook Egypt not, fear, Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And through faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea as by, a dry, as by dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And by faith, harlot the Rahab perished not. All these, and I, I mention all that up because I want to bring you over here, and there's much more that we could read about that here in, in the 12th and the 11th chapter, but I want to bring you over here to chapter 12, and we'll bring this to a close. Wherefore, because of, after listing all of those old saints living by faith, seeing we also are encompassed about so a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set forth looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Whew. Folks, our faith does not save us. We are saved by grace. Period. Through faith. That's what the Word of God says in Ephesians. We are saved by grace, the graciousness of God in sending His Son. But few there are that day to see it in person. Our Lord speaks to you and I through His Word, the same as He did Thomas face to face. So let me bring these words once again to you. Our Lord says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. What does it say in Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did our Lord bring his child back to him? He showed him his hands. He showed him what he came to this world to do. He showed his loving child with love in his heart. See here, I know you're going to forget me. I know you're going to go out that door and forget about your master. Because I do it also. Aren't you thankful that God has given us a gospel that we can come back to and be reminded of why He died for us. Amen. Amen.